Hello and welcome to another Radio for a World That Works podcast, this time communication for a world that works and non-violent communication revisited. It's over 10 years since I first came across non-violent communication or NVC, thanks to my friend and guide, Reverend Hilary Woollett. It's the gift that keeps on giving from originator and master communicator Marshall Rosenberg, who formulated the first principles of NVC in 1960s America. For OurNet, where my role sits largely within communication, I'm revisiting this profound methodology in the realms of communication for a world that works, i.e. a spotlight on a way of connecting with others and ourselves that can offer more of what I believe our hearts desire. OurNet is essentially an online community communication concept, and whilst creating a new context where communities can connect more richly, our aim is not to be prescriptive or dogmatic. So I share this look at NVC with you, not necessarily as an endorsement or an expectation, although I do value it greatly, but as a possibility and a point of reference in a world where communication technology is increasingly sophisticated, yet the transmission and reception still often resorts to level primitive. It would appear we humans are being blessed with a next-level Gutenberg moment and with it an absolute deluge of potentially liberating information and awareness, but we seem to be struggling to move beyond our hardwired reactions of polarity, conflict and war, even if our new weapon of choice is the keyboard. Hence the review of NVC. Here is a way of lifting our relationships from the battlefield and into a more idealistic and experimental laboratory, ultimately into respect, love and compassion. So in Oxford, UK, on a hot spring day in 2008, I attended my first NVC workshop with renowned trainer and exponent Bridget Belgrave. In her ennobling environment, a sign greeted us on entry that asked, would you like to be honest without insulting people? Would you like to be heard to your complete satisfaction? Would you like to handle conflict with confidence? Would you like to transform anger into positive communication? Never hear blame or criticism again. Inspire willing cooperation. Would you like to deepen good relationships? Would you like to enjoy people? Who wouldn't want any or all of those blessings in their lives? So what follows is my conversation with Bridget after the workshop about nonviolent communication, where I begin by attempting to put some NVC principles into practice. Later in the interview, I ask Bridget a big question. Is there a massive mismatch between what people are feeling and needing and what our society gives them? And I think that question is still relevant today, 10 years later. For that matter... Are your needs being met by the common agreements of how our world operates in that curious and increasingly ill-fitting place known as normality? If they're not, if you feel like the proverbial square peg, you may wish to keep listening. Hi there, Bridget. Thank you for a lovely day. Hi, thanks for coming all this way from Exeter. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's been a wonderful day. And if I may, I'll try and put the, the model that we were working with into practice to couch my question, if you like. Sure, that's fine. Right, so... It looks to me like NVC, and perhaps we could go into um, an entry-level description of what NVC is in, in a moment, but mm-hmm. I've noticed today that we're working with, I think somebody called them the four ingredients. Yes. Um, right. We've got um, observation, feeling, need, and request mm-hmm. as a new way of communicating with people. Mm-hmm. And I've, since I've known about NVC, I've been a bit uncomfortable or maybe haven't made a very good job of communicating what NVC is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to attempt to use the model now. 
Okay. Okay, right. So my observation is is that we, we've been here today in Oxford um, in a community hall with about 40 people, and we've been through the basic model and looked at the NVC dance floor. Mm-hmm. My feeling is I'm very excited, mm-hmm. a little bit tired. It's mm-hmm. been a very intense and busy day, but I'm more excited about NVC than I've ever been, and it's been great to be here. My need, I think, and perhaps this kind of combines with my request of you, is how to be able to, to enrol people in NVC or talk to people about NVC um, without them getting upset, challenged. And this is what, this is what, this is a sort of a disclosure of mine, if you like, in my yes. efforts to um, speak like- to other people about it. It's gone horribly wrong. Aha. It sounds like right now you're inspired and it makes you kind of, again, you want to find ways to spread the word to tell people about it and, um, yeah, remembering some things that you've done before. Absolutely. Nervous about that or cautious. Yes. Looking for some advice. Is that right? It is. And I've had some discomfort around the name. When I begin to tell people about nonviolent communication, Mm -hmm. it may be the way I put it, but they say, yeah, you know, but I'm not violent in my communication. It does tend to rub people up the wrong way that the inference is that you know people get a bit defensive when you say oh I'm interested in this new thing you know you might be interested in it it's non-violent communication and immediately people think well I'm not violent I don't hit people when I'm talking to them well what I say to people at the supermarket checkout or at a party or something is um, I work with a way of communicating that helps people not judge and blame each other and oh. they nearly always say oh we need more of that around here that's where I've been going wrong yeah so <laughs> Um, I am Could you cautious. say that again? What? Yes. Um, it's a how, uh, finding a way to communicate where you're not judging and blaming each other. Right. Um, so in other words, saying something that people are, are already aware of that's in their life. It's not like huge, but they like go, oh, yeah, I recognize that. And, um, so, and if they then get more interested and we have a conversation, at some point they might say, oh, what's this work called or where's it based on? Yes. And so I, I would introduce the title Nonviolent Communication after they're interested because, um, like you, I'm concerned that people discover what this work really does and sometimes the title kind of um, covers over for them the potential of this work for them as individuals, as peace-loving, you know, creative people who care about the planet, they might not immediately associate themselves with needing work that's called nonviolent communication. So if, I guess, another way of looking at this would be to use the model again and look at communicating it in a way that meets people's needs. And the way you did it absolutely does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned before that sometimes referred to as compassionate communication or even effective communication. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm gradually one discoverer, like I did learn through this, it made me a lot more conscious of what I was doing in my own communication that was not effective, yeah. and that I and it gave me some choices that I didn't have before. Right. How to be more effective? I was yeah. well aware some things weren't effective, like losing my temper with my son was mm. not a, wasn't effective. I was unhappy about it, and even with a lot of personal development work, I found that hard to change. Mm. But here, I was given something else to do instead, so my energy could go in a direction that would be constructive. And I was really struck what a difference that made. I, I get a great sense of that as well, and that's why I think I'm so excited and inspired about it, yeah. is that it's, you have a new option. Yes. That's, and the word that was used today is enriching, isn't it? Mm. That, that this, this can actually... There's no need to feel uh, bad or wrong for not practising this right, 
but when it does go well, it enriches things for all concerned. Yeah. And that's a very sort of compelling and engaging, <laughs> it's compelling, engaging. way of looking at and it. And another thing I like is the new option is learnable and it is doable. It's like within range. Yeah. Because if we use, you know, anger, temper, for example, because I mentioned that already, I used to read in books, you know, just drop your anger. Mm. And... I never really discovered how to do that, to be honest. In the way that people say, just relax. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Easier but here, it, it says, focus your attention this way. Focus on what happened. Focus on how you're feeling right now. Focus on your present need, what's really important in this situation. And the other person's present need. And then work out a strategy that will go towards meeting that need. Which, And then when you make the request, you communicate about that strategy, a possible strategy mm. that might meet that need. And it sounds really simple in to put it like that. But in a moment of um, heat, the map is simple enough to use. Mm. And that's part of the power. Yeah, definitely. And another thing you said today was it's a bit like learning a foreign language. Yes. And there's the immediate benefit, isn't there, of knowing a few words and phrases that can really, if you're abroad, if people know you're making an effort to speak their language, it can be wonderful, can't it, that Mm. you've tried to order some beers or a bed for the night and they're delighted that you've bothered to learn their language. Yes. But at the other end, there's the benefit of becoming really fluent in that language and really immersing yourself in the culture. And it just seems to me that with NVC, you can get some of those quick benefits by Mm -hmm. just having a quick think about how you communicate. And then you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Mm -hmm. And And I mean, can you say something about the work that's going on around the world to do with how deep this work's going? Yeah, I'm so moved really when I think of what has happened even in the last 11, 12 years that I've been involved in nonviolent communication. A couple of people here today were asking me about cross-cultural communication and there was one woman here from Yugoslavia so I was remembering my um, friend who is an NVC trainer living in Belgrade and just before NATO started bombing in um, Kosovo she was going down to the capital there, Pristina, and mediating between Serbs and Albanians and she wrote me emails about this how in the first hour they would literally run out of the room shouting at each other calling Mm. each other names and within two hours they'd be talking to each other and by the end of the day they'd be like in tears and offering to help rebuild each other's houses Mm. and she did a lot of mediation in those extremely painful context in Bosnia and Croatia and Serbia and Kosovo. That was quite, you know, more in the news some years ago, but the level of pain in those places continues. And unless people work at that level, there's really no other solution in the long term. It really baffles me that this is effectively very simple, isn't it? That the the whole business of understanding people's basic needs and then relating to them from that place. It sounds simple. It's very difficult to do. And But politically, socially, culturally, we seem to be moving away from that understanding or we're forgetting about it. We've got an amnesia about it, it seems, that, you know, we're being told what our needs are by the media, for example. Mm. And it just seems to me that there seems to be a growing rebellion among younger people that how they're understood or misunderstood it doesn't fit with them. And they are, as you say, uh, did you say acting out or acting up yes. as a result of not being understood? Right. I mean, d- would you agree with that? Do you think that th- there is this massive mismatch between what people are actually feeling and needing and what our society gives them? Um, 
That's such a big question. It I is think a big, I'll just it? say yes right now. I'll say yes. Okay. Um, I'll say yes based on the huge percentage of people who are on antidepressants. Yeah, right. For example. Yeah. Um, I'll say yes based on some young, you know, individual people I know who've grown up through the school system. Mm. Of course there are people in these structures whose needs are met. And mm. of course there are people who are doing their best to provide need-meeting environments, you know, teachers, head teachers, education specialists, whatever, since we're talking about education system again now for a moment. Um, I think there is a paradigm shift, though, that when people really get it, that when someone's behaving in a way you don't like, it's because they're troubled by a need of theirs they're finding hard to meet Mm. at that moment, either because of your presence making it harder for them or their structure, their having to exist in, like a child in a school system, or somebody in a workplace. If it's hard for someone to meet their needs, they're very likely to behave in a way that you don't like. Yeah. And we tend to then label people as something wrong with them, mm. which takes us further away from empathy. Yes. And takes that person probably further into their behavior that's uncomfortable for us. Mm. So I do see that happening a lot and feel very sad about it. At the same time, because of the work I do, I'm, a, I'm in touch with so many people who are working in the other direction that I don't really have a clear vision of which is growing faster. Yeah. But I, I mean, am aware all over the world there are people really drawn to this sense of, aha, this makes a lot of sense to focus on. Yeah. You know, what are these... What, that someone is never wrong, that they're always doing their best to meet a need. We might not like their action, we might not like their strategy to meet their needs, mm-hmm. um, but if we can understand their needs, then we've got some room to influence what strategies they choose and also to respect and support them about finding a way to meet the need that works for others in their environment. Yeah, I'm very hopeful about that. I think there's a, mm. a, a, a actually like an expansive or expanding awareness going on mm. that hopefully will have some room for that. Mm. And evidence for me, if you like, is connected with the name, um, although I, I found it a bit clumsy and I've explained before about you know when I've talked to people about non-violent communication clearly the roots are in the work of Gandhi and Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. and it seems that you know their interest in their message hasn't gone away and on a grassroots level people in growing numbers are inspired by non-violence or looking at non-destructive ways to live together and to live according to their dreams, visions, and passions. And um, I like focusing on the word ahimsa that Gandhi used, uh, well, because it's a Sanskrit word, so it's from his culture, and thinking of nonviolence as a positive quality that we can develop within ourselves that influences what happens around us to go more towards safety, growth, creativity, satisfaction, um, that through that intention and attitude of ahimsa or non-violence mm. um, that we can cultivate within ourselves and non-violent communication that is developed by a man called Marshall Rosenberg in the United States about 40 years ago initially when he began right. to put the model together uh, is a, like a practical means of developing that quality mm. and I, for me I, I love the way that um, people have come to my workshops or invited me in, and other trainers in nonviolent communication into their settings from, for example, from all the different religions. Yeah. So I've done workshops for um, Christian sisters who are nuns, for Buddhist monks, for people with, who are 
not interested in being part of any religion at all. Mm-hmm. So there's something very universal about this information yeah. um, and very attractive to people once they understand the possibility of coming to something that's more satisfying than their present way of communicating and more effective. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, we're not afraid to ask the big questions, clearly. Yes. <laughs> so, that was a big question. It was, wasn't it? I threw. But uh, maybe uh, one thing to say is if people want to find out more about your work, where, where could they look? Is there a website people can visit? Uh, thank you. Um, yes, you, the, there's a website which is www.nvcdancefloorsplural.com. Okay, so we've NVC got... NVCDanceFloors.com. All the W's, NVCDanceFloors.com. That's right. Great, okay. And I, um, there was one other thing I'd like to say before we finish, mm. because we started with a little bit of specifics about nonviolent communication, and I'd just like to come back to that. Sure. Um, because um, sometimes when people refer to these four ingredients that you referred to at the beginning, mm. observations, meaning what we see and hear, actually we mean by observations, our feelings in relation to that, our needs met or unmet, and our requests, which are to do with the strategies to meet them. That sounds a little simplistic, and it is simple, but it's subtle because um, there's other layers in nonviolent communication which we haven't emphasized so much in this interview, right. um, which make a big difference so that you end up with quite a number of options, not just, it's not like an A, B, C, D thing. Um, there's movement, there's flow, there's choices all the time um, in where we focus our attention, whether I'm expressing to you or listening to you or connecting with myself internally, for example. Those are three choices. And so you put those three together with those four ingredients and now you're up to 12 steps immediately. Yes. And um, there's a little more to it even than that, but, you know, we won't reveal everything (laughs) because, of course, it's fun for people to go and look that up. Um... And there's this quality of being conscious of our intention. And what people see once they see someone who's very fluent in nonviolent communication uh, in action is that it's actually far more subtle than they imagined at first. Right. And there is a flow and a naturalness that's possible uh, that can combine with this consciousness in communication once you kind of get it. Like any learning, anything like driving. Like the language again, I guess. Like language, like yes. driving. It feels so awkward to start with. Yeah. And then after a while you do it without hardly thinking and mm. it becomes a more natural seeming process. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love it that nonviolent communication never seems to end for me in terms of revealing new awareness and depth and clarity uh, and possibilities in my communication. Yeah. And um, I like things like that. Things that are simple, learnable, and yet have depth. You can hear the same thing 40 times and it still sounds fresh and new and you think, why did I never hear that before? <laughs> yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, okay, thank you very much indeed. Okay. I regard myself as a soldier, though a soldier of peace. I know the value of discipline and truth. I must ask you to believe me when I say that I have never made a statement of this description that the masses of India, if it became necessary, would resort to violence. You can find out more about Bridget at www.nvcdancefloors.com and find nonviolent underscore communication on Wikipedia. I'll finish with something my aforementioned friend Hilary said when I interviewed her about nonviolent communication. 
We have a tremendous power in our world to think before we speak, she said, and to know that there is another way of doing it, she added. So stay tuned for more Other Ways here on Radio for a World That Works.